Good morning, everybody. My name is Aaron. I have the privilege of teaching at the Wesley Seminary just across campus here. Those are all my fans. I've brought them all. Hopefully we'll see a number of you uh, students from STM and Wesley Seminary as well as you are out doing ministry and we have a chance to come alongside and help you learn and resource you as you are out doing ministry. And of course, graduate theological degrees are not simply for people in vocational ministry, but for anybody who considers ministry a way of their life, which we hope is many, if not all, people in here. Today is Bible Monday and so I encourage you to listen, listen, listen to these words of Jesus from John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why? Why? Why listen to him? If you've ever been in a position where you needed somebody to truly listen to you, you know what a gift it is when somebody does. If you've ever been on the listening end of that kind of conversation when somebody really needed to listen, you to listen to them, and you stepped into that gap, you know how difficult listening can be. If you ever found yourself listening at a time when maybe you shouldn't have been listening and words went into your brain and have been rattling around back and forth in your skull like a Super Bowl slammed on the inside of your head or words pierced deeply into your heart and have never been withdrawn, you know how dangerous Listening can be. Listening is a gift. Listening is difficult. Listening is dangerous. Carl Rogers said that listening is like entering into the private perceptual world of another person and being at home there. If you think about listening phenomenologically, just about the experience itself, it is letting something that is outside of you into you. Listening is difficult. Listening is dangerous. And so maybe it makes sense why the Pharisees, these group of these Jewish people who are there have this negative approach, this presumption against listening. Why listen to him? Listening is dangerous, so we should have our guard up. We should have a presumption against listening to him. He is raving mad. Maybe this presumption against listening is something that's already built into our bones, something that's already practiced in the way that we go about life. I've got four reasons maybe why we don't listen. First one is this one, which we've already seen in the text, irreverence. He is crazy. He is demon-possessed. These Pharisees don't revere Jesus. They don't consider him in high order. They don't laud him. He's not a faithful teacher. He is one they don't revere, and so they do not listen to him. Probably not a lot of people in this room consider Jesus like that, but maybe this is more common, irrelevance. 
We think highly of Jesus. He's a good teacher. He was a good man, but we confine him to the trash heap of history. He has nothing relevant to say to us today. All kinds of good things we could say about him, but they're 2,000 years removed. He is irrelevant. Once again, I doubt that is the majority of people in here, but perhaps this is another reason that we don't pay listening ears. Inattention. This category might be people who say that listening to Jesus is important. They might even be adamant that they do listen to Jesus, that what Jesus has to say is important and marks their life. And yet our postures don't reflect it. It's like little bits of life have taken the form of cotton and we've woven them together into little balls of of work and school and assignments and friends and we've kind of bit by bit just, just plugged our ears up with cotton balls. We're inattentive. The last one, however, is the one I think is most sinister. I've got three kids. They're all young, seven, five, and two. Our house is a two-story house, and I have trained them to listen so that whenever I am too lazy to climb both flights of stairs, 14 steps plus a landing, (laughs) to give them some very important instruction, you know, something like put on your pajamas or brush your teeth or bring down one of the half dozen twice bitten apple cores that you've accumulated upstairs. When I don't want to go all those steps, I will call up that instruction. I expect them to listen and follow through with it. My kids, however, have found this phenomenon called plausible deniability, which means we didn't hear you. (laughs) So I came up with a little trick and those guys are so young. They were suckers and they fell for it. I would say this. I'd come to the bottom of the stairs, and I would call up, I would say, Emma Beth, Wesley Donovan, can you hear me? <laughs> Suckers. Because <laughs> if they said, yes, daddy, then I had them. No more plausible deniability. If they could hear me, then the instruction that was about to follow would be one that they would need to obey. Do you know what they did? They got smarter than me. Not that difficult, and yet very important to me. Because whenever I call up their names, Emma Beth, Wesley, Donovan, can you hear me? Do you know what they would now do? Nothing. They simply wouldn't answer, and now plausible deniability kicks in again. It's like they have trained themselves just to listen close enough so that they know when to tune out. They listen close enough so that they know when not to answer me so that they're not inconvenienced. And I think this is one of the reasons we don't listen to Jesus because he says things that will mess up our lives and totally turn them upside down. We don't want to hear what he has to say to us when it's something inconvenient. Whenever we listen just close enough to Jesus to know when we should tune him out. It's a dangerous game. And so I get concerned when my children are forming this kind of character that they're tuning in just close enough to know when they should tune me out because that starts to form a character. It's a character that's reflected in the Pharisees of why listen to him. Why listen? To him. The reason this becomes so dangerous is because earlier on in this passage, the Pharisees show to us 
that they have missed even the point of listening. They have to become people for whom the point of listening is lost. Look at how this passage starts. Jesus says this, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters the gate by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And now pay attention to this last part of the verse. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Their practice of not listening has kept them from being people of character who can actually understand the message. A.W. Tozer said it like this. He said, our eternal welfare depends upon our ability to hear, and we have trained our ears not to hear. I worry when my children train themselves not to hear because that is what forms the character of these Pharisees who are now no longer able even to understand. I mean, for us, this picture is not all that difficult, right? Jesus is the shepherd. The people are the sheep. The Pharisees and brigands and losers like Herod, thieves and robbers. Not that tough. And yet they are incapable of understanding. Their practice of not listening has left them incapable of understanding. This character formed in them has brought them to a place where they are hardened out. When we listen just close enough to hear Jesus is calling us, and then we decide whether or not we should attend to our words, we are training our ears not to hear. Listening only when it is convenient is a dangerous game. So how did this happen? How did it happen that the Pharisees had formed this kind of character that they were not able to listen? I think that reason is embedded in the story, in the way of seeing things that Jesus has given to these people, to all the people who would dare to listen or who had dared to listen. It's embedded right in this radical message that people are sheep. People don't do that well with danger. Whenever we are in danger, our bodies produce cortisol, which increases our, uh, our chance of depression, increases our anxiety. We don't do well with danger. And being presented with this kind of scenario that these Pharisees are sheep totally turns the world upside down and presents them with a kind of danger. They are used to being providers and protectors of the nation. If they are sheep, then they need provision and they need to be protected. If they are sheep, then they are ones who are in grave danger. Let me put it like this. Sheep are not predators. Sheep do not have large talons. Sheep do not have fierce jaws. They maybe have a hard head. And if you've ever seen sheep run at each other and smash heads into one another and neither one of them gets hurt, you understand how hard that head is. And yet they are not predators. They are prey. If the Pharisees are to take on this view of things, this picture, this way of describing reality, then they are going to have to wrestle with the deep danger of being sheep. And yet in the midst of this anxiety, you might expect Jesus to kind of be attuned to his listeners, to be attuned to the experiences that they are having, to be attuned to how they are feeling, even to be attuned to how their, their physiology is changing. 
And yet, that's not what he does. He doesn't soften the blow. He doesn't change the story. In fact, this is how it goes on, starting at verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Why would Jesus double down on this message? Why would Jesus understand all this danger that they are now presented with, a kind of danger that has forced them to harden their hearts against him, that has made them incapable of understanding because they are not willing to listen? Why does he double down on that message? If you followed along through the Gospel of John and you get John's theology, that Jesus is the word, that he cannot lie. In the words of Robert Barron, a Roman Catholic theologian, Jesus cannot be wrong. If you get that theology, then the reason Jesus gives this picture and then doubles down on it is very simple. Because it's the truth. This is an accurate way of describing our experience. We are not comfortable with danger. We are so uncomfortable with danger that we have got doors locked all the way around us. I remember one of the times I came to, to, I came to chapel and I went from, to like five different doors before I could get in. In a room like this filled with people who are smart and strong and healthy, we don't often think about danger being that close to us. We try to keep it at arm's length. And I'm right there with you. I don't like to experience danger. And there's only been a couple of times in my life when I really got to see how dangerous our lives really are. One of them was the birth of my first son, Wesley. And I understood how dangerous life really is. And yet that's simply a glimpse of what people experience on a consistent basis. Some of them facing danger much more closely than I ever have and I hope ever will. See, a sheep cannot reflect on what it means to be a sheep, but human beings can reflect on what it means to be a sheep. C.S. Lewis said it like this. He said that we face acute mental suffering because we see our deaths and yet desire permanence. For us to entertain being sheep is this radical sense of danger. And yet Jesus doubles down on that message because it is the truth. It describes who we are and what it's like to be human. There's good news in it, of course. The ultimate conclusion that we draw from being sheep is that without the intervention of God, in Jesus Christ, we are in grave danger. Sheep don't know what it's like to be in danger, but human beings understand what it's like to be in grave danger. We understand that, and we can kind of enter ourselves into that story, and sometimes we can be tempted to spiritualize this message, that this is a spiritual message of one that applies to some kind of life in the, in, that, that is to come. And yet if the world is captured in God and the spirit realm is that which 
it moves and, and coheres and, and keeps all of this together, then the spiritual truth that without Jesus Christ, our lives are in grave danger is one that takes all of life and sums it up together. We are sheep. Now pay attention to this because this is so important. It's not that in following Jesus, we become sheep. It's not that in following Jesus, we become sheep. We are sheep. It's not a matter of whether or not we will be sheep. It's a matter of who will be our shepherd. See, here are the options that Jesus gives to us. It's not a matter of who will be our, it's not a matter of whether or not we'll be sheep, but who will be our shepherd. Without the good shepherd in this story that Jesus tells us, our lives are either stolen or taken by thieves and robbers or abandoned by cowardly hired hands. That's the option for your life. There's something strange coming on in this story, right? If Jesus' story here, if his picture of reality is not comfortable, and it isn't, it's not comfortable, it's not helpful, it's not convenient. In fact, it's so inconvenient that we train ourselves not to listen. And maybe it was so inconvenient for the Pharisees that finally, as they grasped this final point, that this is what made them inattentive and irrelevant and irreverent. See how the story unfolds is about a shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Now, that, that, that's actually a lousy shepherd. Sheep are vulnerable, yes, but sheep were also valuable. That meant that they were of use. They produced milk and meat and wool. That's why you kept them. That's why you shepherded them. That's why you cared for them. So they could produce for you. It was a lousy, foolish shepherd who would lay down his life for the sheep. The whole point is the other way around. Sheep ultimately lay down their lives for the shepherd and those in his care. It's a lousy, foolish shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And yet Jesus isn't a lousy, foolish shepherd. But he is a strange one. You recall the theology of John's gospel that he is the sacrificial lamb. He is the shepherd who became the sheep to go the way of danger but not in a way that transforms us. See, God does not cease us from being sheep. He does not keep us from being sheep. He cannot change us. Our lives remain in danger, but God in Jesus entered that danger for us and with us. I think the reason the Pharisees ultimately could not understand and would not attend to Jesus' words was the implications of them, which was they would go the same way he would if they followed him. That's just why later in the Gospel of John, rather than going the way of Jesus, of a sacrificed life, rather than going that way, they would say, better for one man to die than that the whole nation perish. And those thieves and robbers take the life of Jesus and put him out as the sacrifice because they're not willing to go the way of the sheep. Psychologist Gerald May said this, he said, we naturally seek the least threatening ways of trying to satisfy our longings for God, ways that protect our sense of personal power and require the least sacrifice. We want to attend to God without taking all the implications of what attending to him means. And what it means is that if we are sheep, then our lives will either be stolen, taken, or abandoned, or used by the shepherd who will call us to die with him. 
Whenever I was pastoring, it was amazing how some people would get really sick somewhere along the, the, the start of December. And yet it was like they would hold on until the middle of January or even early February to die. Some people didn't care when they died and they would die at very inconvenient times. And some people wanted to die when it was convenient. My dad passed away just over four weeks ago. And my mom said of him, she said, I think Ellard stayed alive a couple of extra days so that we would get another pension check. <laughs> and knowing my dad, he probably did. He wanted to die at a more convenient time. And yet the call of this shepherd to us by name, because he knows us deeply, is a call, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, to come and die. And it's never feeling convenient to die. In fact, it feels very inconvenient when Jesus utters that call to us so much of the time. And you know what happens whenever it's inconvenient? We tune him out. And after a while, if we've tuned out Jesus and we've built our life in ways that seem to be fairly successful and we're, we're getting along okay, and we realize that we can kind of set Jesus on the shelf, then he becomes irrelevant to us. And after a while of him being uh, irrelevant to us, we become inattentive. Our, our posture is that of which is inattentive. And if we don't need to listen to Jesus, he becomes irrelevant. And have you ever noticed that people who had Jesus just close enough to them for a while, they could kind of tune in when it was helpful that after a while of him being irrelevant, they become irreverent. How foolish they were to pay attention to him whenever he was so clearly not needed. See, the danger that came to all those Pharisees, the danger that comes to my children is what kind of persons are we being formed to be and will we listen to him? We fear the implications of this story that Jesus has given which is simply this, Jesus' life freely is given for us and our lives bought at great price are given by him. When we become sacrificial sheep who go the way of this shepherd turned sheep, our lives are given by him. What does this look like? Sometimes in our life we will come to a place where we will know by the witness of scripture and we will know by the witness of the Holy Spirit, and we will have the testimony of the church that we have a desire that is outside of Christian teaching, that is outside of Christian practice. And our hearts will pull us in that direction. Our hearts will make us want to jump the fence and go out and live life outside the gate. But Jesus is the gate. We have to wonder, are we going to attend to him? See, the gate is not simply to pen dangerous things out from us, although it is. It's also to pen in foolish sheep. And at times our desire is going to want to make us want to jump the fence and go and do something that we know is outside the will of God. We have to ask, who will we attend to? And when we stay inside the pen marked out by Jesus, it can feel like death, like something in us is dying. And you know what? It is. That's the death of self. Sometimes in our lives, we're going we're to map out a vision for what our life is going to look like. And we're going to pretend and act that we've got all kinds of wisdom and foresight. That we can see pasture way off down there that looks really good. That is going to be full of good grass for a long time. We're going to head in that direction. We're going to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And we, we're going to think that our wisdom is right on. But we're going to have to attend 
to the shepherd. Human beings are sheep and we need a gate. We're sheep and we need a shepherd. We're gonna have to practice attending to him. Am I listening to him even though that looks convenient? Am I gonna listen to him even though that looks attractive? Am I gonna listen to him even though that looks like the right way? Am I gonna attend to him even when it's inconvenient to do so? And it's gonna feel like death. And it is. The call to die is never one that's convenient. The call to stay penned in by the will of Jesus usually doesn't feel convenient. The call to go out into pasture that we haven't yet anticipated or that we're not quite sure of, yet that is the distinct leading of Jesus, does not feel convenient. And yet that's what it means to be a shepherd following after, a sheep following after this shepherd. So why listen to him? Because your life will either be stolen, taken, or your life will be abandoned by people who are cowardly and will not lead you well, or it will be given by a good shepherd, one who longs to take your life so that anybody else who will take it has no threat over you, and one who, wants to, one who longs to then give your life so that it really matters, so that it really counts. Your life will either be taken, stolen, abandoned, or given by the good shepherd. Are you listening?